Well, well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to, welcome to Unraveling the Words of Yahweh. My name is Kevin Eichner. So glad to have you tuning in this morning. Oh, mercy sakes. Hey, we're in this, uh, this book of Revelation, or, or as I like to say, the Apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah. And, uh, that, that, that basically what that says, it's the, it's the coming, it's the, the appearing, the manifestation, uncovering of Yeshua Messiah in person. And there's no doubt about it that, that John, John the Beloved is the author. I mean, it's, it's pretty much documented uh, uh, all through the early church fathers like uh, Justin Martyr. Um, you've got the Miletti of Sardis, uh, uh, Theophilus, if you ever read them. Uh, let's see. Another one I like is Clement of Alexandria, uh, Hippolytus. All, all great, all great early church fathers, and uh, they well documented. And there, there's no doubt about it. According to the testimony of Irenaeus, it was probably wrote somewhere between 95, 97 A.D. And uh, just, just a brilliant. This is just a brilliant book. Matter of fact, if you actually do a study of the Bible, uh, especially the New Testament, and you research on what books, you'll find out that the Pauline epistles were actually wrote first, and then we got the, the, the Revelation, the Apocalypse, and then pretty much the Gospels. So uh, the Gospels and, and wrote after they got the Q Gospel and all the other great Gospels out there that are known to mankind, but uh, for whatever reason, the church has decided not to put it in. But anyway, in our last study, we covered verses 7 and 8. Now, we discovered that when the two witnesses finished their testimony for the gospel of Yeshua Messiah and for the exposing of the satanic beast system, that the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit, as we read there in chapter 9, makes war against the two witnesses and he kills them. Now this demonic, uh, demonic system then takes the dead bodies and places them in the city streets of Jerusalem, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. And we covered that Sodom and e Egypt last week, and all that, and and what and how it, even even today, even today we we see that. Uh, why why they're called Sodom and Egypt. Now, if you remember in, in an outline that I showed you it, about the two witnesses, in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, we pretty much see their sufferings. In verses 11 and 12, we'll see the two witnesses, their reward. And then, of course, in verse 13, their avengement. We're going to start out this morning here in this book of Revelation, the Apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah, chapter 11, verse 9. And they of the people and the kindreds and the tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put into graves. They are rather in the Greek of the people, some of the peoples. 
This word ek, they of ek, out from. These are either the enemies of the witnesses who consisted of the people, kindred, tongues, and nations out from among whom they were chosen, redeemed, and called. And before or against whom John, representing these witnesses, prophesied. Or else their friends, either real or pretended, since it said not the people nor all the people, kindred, tongues, and nations, as it is when the anti-Christian party are spoken of, and seeing that do we dwell upon the earth there in verse 10. It's sad. With the technology and the internet and so forth, they'll see the two uh, these two dead bodies worldwide. This demonic beast system, satanic. Oh, they're gonna have they're they're, they're probably gonna throw block parties. It's gonna be like another New Year's Eve as these two bodies lay there. Kindreds in the Greek means tribes. They shall see. They shall look upon in the Greek there the dead bodies. Three and a half days answer to three and a half years. See verses two and three. The half of seven. The full and the perfect number. They shall be treated with the greatest barbarity. Refusal of burial of the dead was allowed to be the sum of brutality and cruelty. Think about it. Three and a half days. Their bodies are going to lay in Jerusalem called Sodom in Egypt. How sad it is. In the graves. In the sepulcher. According in righteous retribution of the kind. The flesh of the anti-Christian host is not buried, but given to all the fowls in the mid to eat, mid-heaven to eat, as we read there in Revelation 19, 17, 18, and verse 21. That is, there would be a, a course of conduct in regard to these witnesses, such as would be shown to the dead if they were not properly to be deceitly buried. The language used here shall not suffer seems to imply that there would be those who might be disposed to show them respect evidenced by the, the burying of the dead, but that this would not be permitted. This would, be, this would find a fulfillment if, in time of persecution, those who have borne faithful testimony were silenced and treated with dishonor, and if there should be those who were disposed to show them respect, but who would be prevented by the positive acts on part of the persecutors. Folks, we ain't seen nothing yet. We haven't seen anything yet. These two witnesses will be hated so much. So much. You remember what Yeshua Messiah said in the Gospels? You will be hated. You will be despised. Why? Because of my name. You see, this, this satanic group, they hate Yeshua Messiah. They hate Yahweh. They're, 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 they're under the influence of, the, of Satan, Lucifer, the Polyon, the beast of the bottomless pit. 
And we we starting to see traces of it today spread throughout this world, right right here in America. People are, are so called up in their worldly ways. It's sad that this, this demonic beast system is in existence, but the churches don't even recognize them. Not too long ago, we had the COVID. The churches were backing the government. I, I wasn't. I spoke out against Fauci. Now it's starting to come out in these in these hearings, representative hearings. The CDC uh, CDC director, Dr. Redman, had to face a House panel. And he revealed on actually what happened and how Fauci used tax dollars. To send to China. Remember we talked about China. Back there in Revelation chapter 6. The red horse. Edom. Esau. Esau I love. Jacob I hated. You see folks. There's nothing new under the sun. Once you understand the scriptures. And you understand the words of Yeshua Messiah. And what the message is. It all comes out to play. We talked about the synagogue of Satan. The building of the temple that Donald Trump is, is so gung-ho about. We discussed the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Klaus Schwabs. All these individuals, the Clintons, the Obamas, the Bidens, they're not Christians. They hate the cause of Christianity. They're all fed by the satanic worship of Lucifer. The Freemasons. Think about it. Once you understand all these secret societies that are trying to destroy mankind. Bill Gates. Didn't you, didn't you ever see the interview with Bill Gates as he stands on that platform? On how to depopulize the world? What, what was the... One well, of the first or second things he said, we can depopulize the world through vaccines. But wait a minute, Bill. I thought vaccines were supposed to help people. Last week, or a week and a half ago, went to my family doctor for the yearly checkup. You know, if you don't go to the doctors, they, they cancel you out. Good doctor. I mean, I, I like her. Don't get me wrong. Well, well, Mr. Eitner, did you have your COVID shot? Next question. Well, I know you got your flu shot. Next question. Tell me you got your tetanus shot. Next question. You don't take any shots? Nope. You're not going to stick a needle in my arm. I don't know what's in there. Years ago, it came out that they were putting mercury in the vaccines. These individuals, this beast system, the very same beast system that's going to kill these two witnesses and lay them in the streets, they hate Yeshua Messiah. They hate 
anybody that's affiliated with Yeshua Messiah. This is why Yeshua Messiah says there in the Gospels, at my return shall I find faith. Think about that. We got, we got all the thumb-sucking milk bottle Christians going to church this morning. But what do they do outside the churches? Are they proclaiming the gospel of Yeshua Messiah? Are they going to school board meetings, county council meetings? Are they standing up for the cause? No. In this verse 10, we see that the enemies rejoice. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Wow. The hatred of these two witnesses was so bad How sad it is. How sad it is. Those who belong to the earth as its citizens, not to heaven. Out of which the beast arose, over which he reigns. Now keep in mind that as you read this, expect you, you got to go back in those days, back into that that mid-90 A.D. And, and when they talk about that dwell upon the earth, a lot of times they refer to the area, even the inhabitants of the uh, Roman Empire, because it was so massive. They called that whole area the earth. Because keep in mind, they didn't have satellites. They, they don't have cable TV like we do. They can't, they can't see all over the world. The followers of the Antichrist. Men that mind nothing but earth and earthly things. They shall rejoice over them. The anti-Christianity of the last days shall probably be under the name of philosophical enlightenment and civilization. But really it's man's adoration of himself. Passion shall lead the Antichrist followers to exalt in having at last seemingly silence and death their Christian rebukers. I mean, they hate Christianity. Like her Lord Yeshua Messiah, the church will have her dark passion week followed by the bright resurrection morn. It is a curious historical coincidence that at the fifth Atrine Council on May 5th, 1514, no witnesses, and being from the Moravian church up there in Pennsylvania, not even the Moravians who were summoned testify for the truth as Huss and Jerome did at Constance. A spokesman ascended the tribunal before the representatives of the Christendom and said, there is no reclaimant, no opponent. No one stood up back there in 1514. Luther on October 31st, 1517, exactly three and a half years afterwards, posted up his famous thesis on the church of Wittenberg. The objection is 
The years are years 365, not 360 days. And so two and a half days are deficient. You see, folks, they hate Christianity. And it's going to be so bad that these two witnesses, because keep in mind now, your churches are 501c3s. The churches won't even recognize that the two witnesses were sent from Yahweh himself. We got the Catholic Church, the Pope, and you know a lot of uh, 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 a lot of scholars out there. They think that this one world order and so forth is going to be the revived Roman Empire, the Roman Catholic Church. That great man with the keys of Peter that wears the Dagon fish hat. They're not even going to stand up for these two witnesses. Just as Peter denied to that maiden lady on the night that Yeshua Messiah was questioned by the high priest. See, folks, just as Yeshua Messiah was led up, and you, and you had all these false people coming in there, making these false accusations. You got Peter standing out there, keeping his, his hands warm by the fire. And this young maiden comes up to him three times. He denied knowing Yeshua Messiah. And then the cock crowed twice. You all know the story. Well, this is exactly what's going to happen with these two witnesses. These two witnesses are going to stand up for three and a half years. They spoke out the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. Now, you, you all want to talk about this revival that took place a, a couple weeks ago. Well, we'll see how far that goes. Is that going to last three and a half years? Y'all get caught up in the moment. But once everybody disperses and goes back to their, their little lifestyles, it's all forgotten about. But for three and a half years, these two witnesses, they're going to every day, 24 hours, seven days a week. They're going to be pro proclaiming the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, doing those fantastic miracles, showing us that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is alive. The word, the logos is the truth. These Messiah haters, they're going to be making merry. Be glad. There's going to be joy, happiness. They're, they'll be filled with joy at such event. A lot of drinking, a lot, lot, lot going on. Like I said, it's going to be one New Year's Eve party, as these two witnesses say. Matter of fact, it's going to be so bad, they're going to send gifts one to another. An expression of their joy to send presents is a natural expression of our own happiness, our desire for the happiness of others. We go to Nehemiah. You can check out Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them whom nothing is prepared. For the day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of Yahweh is your strength. See, we can compare that to Nehemiah there, chapter 8. Yahweh is your strength. They're going to be so glad. Satan, and, and, and it's, the sad thing about it is, Satan knows. 
Satan, no, he knows scripture better than anybody on this earth that walked this earth. And he knows that the day that his servants kill these two witnesses, Satan's days are numbered. But he will, I'm going to tell you what, folks, he's going to go out there extra strong because he knows that after three and a half days, the resurrection of these two witnesses, the second woe, the third woe is coming, and the seventh trump is sounding. Satan knows all this. Total chaos. This is why it's so important. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully now. This is why it's so important that this Luciferian dialectical system water down Christianity. They don't want Christians to read the Bible. And it, well, unfortunately, it's happening. I, I, I read to you a month or so ago about the latest poll where the numbers are starting to creep down. Tell you what, you want to have some fun. Go to church this morning and ask the dear brother and sister sitting next to you, hey, when's the last time you read the Bible? What's the first book of the Bible? Seriously. That's how dumbfounded we are. Do you know that people despise me? Because they have a lack of knowledge of scripture. So they despise people like me. It's sad. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Keep in mind now. That Yahweh always keeps a small elect. You know we have to think about this. As, as these demonic forces are praising the death of these two witnesses. You and I, realistically, we should be in a joyful mood also. Because we know that after three, three and a half days, when we see those bodies in the streets of Jerusalem being resurrected, we know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's coming. Oh, he's coming back with a vengeance, with the cloud of the saints in the air. And we're all going to be changing them spiritual bodies. As Paul states there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Folks, what a glorious time it will be. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and it will be upon all those demonic. Oh, praise the Lord. Stay, folks, listen to me. Stay focused in the word. Research the word. That's the most important thing that we can do each and every day. Research the word. Stay in the scripture. Share the gospel of Yeshua Messiah with them. These two prophets, because they these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Oh, bless their hearts. Namely with the plagues which they have power to inflict, as we read there in verses 5 and 6. Also by their testimony against the earthly. These guys are going to speak out. Not Yahoo and all those guys. They're all going to be exposed. Those lunatic rabbis over there. Those Christian Zionists. They're all going to be exposed for what they are. They tormented them. 
or, or were a source of annoyance to them by bearing testimony to the truth, by opposing the prevailing errors, by rebuking the vices of the age, perhaps by demanding reformation, by denouncing the judgment on the heavens of the guilty. There's no intimidation that they have tormented them in any way than by the truth which they held. You see, they, people don't want to hear the truth. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Yeshua Messiah says in the Gospel of John, I am the truth. I am the way. But they don't want to hear that. Now, some of the older commentators might have felt a difficulty in understanding how the whole earth could rejoice at the event happening at Jerusalem. But in these days of the electric age, cell phones, satellite communications, we all know how the next day the whole world sympathizes and rejoices together. Man, I could see uh, uh, Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe. Do you know that that uh, uh, his wife was married to my cousin? And... and uh, Berninsky and, and her dad was the uh, state's person under the Bush administration. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, Morning Joe. I he. Oh my gosh, he's going to have a field day when he sees these two witnesses. That man should be locked up for lying to the American people. All those broadcasters, the View, all those individuals should be locked up for deceiving the American people. There can be no greater demonstration of rejection than this. And obviously, we see the whole world is going to be watching. And we can understand this because of satellite news and television. I can see the news anchors right now, as well as all the political psychopaths that are hanging around the Antichrist. They're all high-fiving it. They're all rejoicing. These two scoundrels are finally dead. Let's watch them rot. I find it very interesting, a piece of information that was written back in 1864 by the name of Robert Gavitt. He wanted to make a comment. You see, he was a preacher. He wanted to comment about this phrase, the people and the tribes and the tongues and the nations are going to be gazing on these dead bodies. Here's what he said. The word bleepo, which in the Greek means to see, I see, he says, the word bleepo, that is to look upon, donates not merely the nation seeing them, but they're directing their eyes to see this great sight and gazing upon them. But how it is conceivable that men all over the earth should be rejoicing in the news when only three and a half days intervene between the death and the resurrection. Then he went on to say, it is not perfectly conceivable if the electric telegraph shall then have extended itself in the rate it has of late years. End of the quote. Indeed, it has extended himself greatly, sir. They will see this. Well, the whole world then will be celebrating the death of those two, of those who came to give them eternal life. Now, this will be a time kind of Christmas and the Mardi Gras all rolled up together. Unbelievable, folks. And apparently, there will be great masses of people that will gather around this barbaric display. This is just unreasonable, isn't it? I might add that within 
two to three days of decomposing corpse begin to bloat and emit the putrid odors of putrefaction. And all of this is going to occur while a wicked world laughs and gives gifts, celebrating the proudness of the Antichrist, and frankly in their minds, the defeat of Yeshua Messiah. But little do they know that within a few days, the Lord Yeshua Messiah is going to return to earth in power and great glory. Unbelievable. And it is. It is. But the triumphing of the wicked is short, as Job 20, verse 5. But the triumphing of the wicked is short. And boy, it will be. It will be. I want you to just ponder for a second. And just realize, if, if, if you and I are live, or alive, I should say, alive during that time period, what is it going to be like? And you know, the sad part about it is, you got all these lunatic politicians, all these world leaders, they're all rejoicing. They don't even realize what's getting ready to happen because they're dumbfounded to, to Scripture. You know, Paul says they're in, second, uh, they're in Thessalonians. For this cause, I will put them in delusion. And they will be in delusion. And this is what's going to happen, folks. This delusion. How sad it is. But see, this is, this is what, this is why you and I are here. You and I are here. That we can get the gospel out. That it's not too late. He says here. As I made mention of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And with all. The, I'm going to go back to verse 9. Even him. Whose coming is after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and wonders. You see what he's saying here. Well, let me go back to verse 8 here. Because I don't want you rapture nuts out there thinking we're going to be a, a pre-tribulation rapture. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. You know what that is? Well, we're going to read about that here very shortly here. At that, that third, at that seventh, the third woe, the seventh trumpet sound. Even him, who's that? Yeshua Messiah whose coming is after the working of Satan, not before the working of Satan, after the work of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. And think about this. You know, when the, the problem with, with these rapture lunatics out there, they only read one verse. They're one verse Charlie's. They, they can't put prophecy together, how all this ties in. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You understand that? As these two witnesses are walking in the streets of Jerusalem, preaching the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, they're hated. These bumbling idiots will not listen to the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, because of their stupidity, Yahweh shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, 
but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And this also goes for these saints out there that are not willing to take a stand and stand up for the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. For this cause, Yahweh shall send them a strong delusion. Man, we live in some great times, folks. We're going to, let's be honest now. We're going to lose loved ones. Because, see, we have family, we have neighbors, co-workers, people that we dearly love. They don't recognize this. Oh, they might go to church for what good it is. But they're not going to be able to recognize this. They're going to live these lives. Oh, you got to run out there and get your COVID vaccine. Oh, my gosh, you got to get your COVID vaccine. Why? Why? What is it? Less than 2% die? You, do you hey. Do you know they're starting to come out now with studies? Pete, there's more people dying of the vaccines and the booster shots than the COVID. Thought I'd throw that out there for you. Let you wise up a little bit. They believe a lie. They believe that Donald Trump is gonna, gonna free the world, make things better. Now, he's part of the Rothschilds, Rockefellers. There's only one way, folks, and that one way is to the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, knowing the word. You keep your eyes focused on the word. If what you see, put it to you this way. If you're in doubt, go to the word. I'm going to tell you a little secret. If you go to the scriptures, you go to the word and you search that word, trust me now. The Holy Spirit will come to you. That divine power from the great I am will come to you and reveal the information that you want to seek out. Folks, this is a spiritual battle. Satan is after your souls. We can't allow that. You and I listen this morning. You and I need to go out and we need to preach the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. Verse 11. And after three days and a half. Praise the Lord. And after, and after three days and a half. The spirit of life. From Yahweh. Entered into them. And they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them, which saw them. Wow. Think about this now. The spirit of life, the same which that breath of life that breathed in the dry bones there in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 10. The same breath of life which was blown in the man there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Breath came unto them. The passage here, as there, is closely connected with Israel's restoration as a nation to political and religious life. We can also compare concerning the same thing there in Hosea, the salvation of Yah, uh, uh, six, chapter 6, verse 2, where Ephraim says, after two days will he revive us, and in the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. You see, folks, 
if we have the faith as to the Holy Spirit impregnated in a virgin, why would it seem so impossible for the same Holy Spirit to breathe life back into these two witnesses? Think about that. If we have the faith as to the Holy Spirit impregnating a virgin, why would it seem so impossible for the same Holy Spirit to breathe life back into the two witnesses? You remember Yeshua Messiah with Lazarus? Four days. Four days. Oh, he's just sleeping. But here we got these two witnesses laying in these streets for three and a half days stinking. Oh my gosh. Bloated. Swelled right up. I tell you, many, many, many years ago, I was a I rode ambulance with uh, Millsboro here. Back then it was station 94. And I had a call. And uh, went to the scene and there was a gentleman passed away. Swelled right up, stiffer than a board. Never forget it. Smell. The smell was so bad. We, we actually had to get breathing apparatus to go in there. And we just put these... Uh, uh, the funeral director at that time, Mr. Watson, gave us uh, body bags. And with our breathing apparatus, we put this individual in. And back in them days, we had to take it over to Seaford. And as I read this Revelation chapter 11, and I ponder what's going to happen to these two witnesses, I come to the realization of what I witnessed back in those days. When I carried that individual over there, the swelling up, the putrid smell, three days out in the open, the bugs, the turkey buzzards. You know, you drive up and down the roads, you see the dead deer carcasses, and you see the turkey buzzards plucking away at them. Think about that, folks. And the world is going to be rejoicing. But after three days, Three days, it says, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from this word from here, ek, is a Greek preposition. It means out. It came out from Yahweh. If we consider what is said here, we see the Trinity at work. We have seen the Holy Spirit coming out of Yahweh. Remember, this is in the plural. Plural. Yahweh, Yeshua, Messiah. How can I say this? One well, verse, uh, verses 12 and 13 of Ezekiel 37, we see the Hebrew word et, the alpha and the tov. Remember I made reference to the fact that the dry bones, the et? Well, when you read it in the Hebrew manuscripts, it was the dry bones, the spirit of life came back into them dry bones. Let me turn there right quick to Ezekiel 37. And we see here the thought process. This is why it's so important that, that you, you try to the best of your ability to read the manuscripts and get down in and, and see what's going on, folks. See what's going on. In Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to put it at verse 7. 
El is my strength, Ezekiel. Let me go to verse 5 here. Thus saith Adonai Yahweh, Under these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into them, and ye shall live. That's the Holy Spirit. And I will lay sinews upon you, and ye will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that Holy Spirit. And ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, it's shaken, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And then when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy under the wind, under the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, prophesy, son of man, and, and say to the wind, the Ruach, thus saith the Don Yahweh, Come from the four winds. There's the four winds. O breath, breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and as, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. That eth. The eth was behind all that. There in the Hebrew manuscripts. The great I am, Yeshua Messiah. Wow. Ek. Into. In them, it reads. There are some of the Greek manuscripts. And they stood upon their feet as if they had life to come to life again. The very words in Ezekiel 37, verse 10, which proves the illusion to be Israel's resurrection in contrast to the times of the Gentiles, wherein these tread underfoot the holy city. And great fear. You got that right. Great fear, such as fell on the soldiers guarding the Messiah's tomb at his resurrection. There in Matthew chapter 28, verse 4. When also there was going to be a, a great earthquake, this fear would be a paralyzing fear. Think about it. These idiots, for three and a half days, they 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 prayed it. They, they partied. They, 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 they shared gifts all around the world. See, this, this is why, now, you got to listen to me. This is why it's so important for Lucifer, Satan, Apollyon, whatever you want to call him, to have this artificial intelligence. Because what's going to happen is, Satan knows, like I told you, Satan knows the scripture. He knows this. He knows that these two witnesses are going to be resurrected. He can't stop it. But what he can do is he's going to make it, what do they call that, a hologram? Where now the technology comes out where you're going to have dead, I've I, I, I seen a show, uh, I forget the singer, uh, was one of those dead singers. Anyway, they through the hologram, they were able to, they were performing on the stage and it was to the point where you couldn't even tell them that it was a hologram. You thought it was the, the, the original, the live person. This is the technology that Lucifer's working on because he knows he's going to lose. It's all about souls. And they saw, they beheld. He beheld them. Beheld what? Those two witnesses. 
The two witnesses are raised from the dead by the power of Yahweh. As I told you there in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Job chapter 33 verse 4. And then also we talked about Ezekiel 37 verse 10. The rejoicing is soon turned into fear. Great fear. Their Lord was raised to life in Jerusalem after three days. And now and now after somewhat similar period. Like him too. They ascended up into heaven. But unlike him. This follows immediately on the resurrection, the ascension. You see, the rabbis over there, they, they know what happened. They, they don't, don't, don't let these idiot rabbis fool you. They read the Gospels. And they're thinking, them. of course, they make all kinds of stories up. They want to call them Balaam in the, in the Atonement. They call a Virgin Mary a harlot. I, I talked about this stuff a while back. Folks, they hate Christianity. Bottom line. So what do we see here in verse 12? Well, I'm glad you asked. And they heard a great voice. Uh-oh. From the heavens saying unto them, Come up hither. And as they ascended up to heaven in a cloud in their white righteous robes, and their enemies beheld them. Wow. They beheld them. Some manuscripts I heard said that they heard, I heard. John said that a voice was addressed to them, calling them to ascend to heaven. Come up hither to heaven. As the angel said there to John, chapter 4, verse 1, and Yeshua, Yeshua Messiah will say to his people, Though on another account there in Matthew 25, verse 34. And they ascended up to, in a cloud. So as the Savior ascended there in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And so probably Eliah there in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. And the enemies beheld them. That is, it was done openly. So that their enemies who had put them to death saw that they were approved of Yahweh as if they had been publicly taken up to heaven. But keep in mind now, Satan, Satan has countermeasure. We got to be wiser than Satan. What we assume time, uh, what is what an assumed time that will be, an awesome time that will be. As we are sitting here in the United States, witnesses great event telling us what happened next. The return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, friends, go with me into this scene. This is absolutely priceless. Finally, the news anchors will be speechless. People will be panic-stricken. Suddenly, these decomposing corpses miraculously return to their original state, like in Ezekiel 37. It says they stand up. It's interesting. There's no record that they said anything or did anything. They simply stand up, and then they respond to the divine summons, come up here. And then they're caught up in the cloud. I think how interesting it is, even as we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. There in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. However, there's going to be a big difference. Their ascension will be gradual. Now I've got to interject something here. I threw in that chapter 4, verse 17 there in First Thessalonians. The word air, 
For you long-time listeners, you heard me say many times, the word in the Greek, and you check it out in the Greek manuscripts, the word air is A-E-O-R in the Greek. It means breath of life, spiritual body. So what Paul was saying there, be called up together with them in the clouds. Who's them in the clouds? Well, those saints. And as you and I are standing upon this earth and we're looking up when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes back, it's going to look like one massive cloud with all those saints in their white righteous robes. And we're going to meet the uh, Lord in the air. You remember what the Lord told us? That flesh and blood could not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what has to happen? Well, Paul tells us. Paul tells us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at the twinkling of an eye. All bodies should be transformed into a spiritual body. Just like Paul says here. We're going to meet the Lord in our spiritual bodies. And thus, we should always be with the Lord. In our spiritual bodies. Don't let these lunatic idiots out there. Try to tell you. Oh the Lord's going to snatch us up in the sky. Let me tell you something. Once you do a little homework. Go into Matthew. I always like to use this example. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I believe it's verse 26. Where it talks about the fowls in the air. And I want you to get your Greek manuscripts out. The word air there is Oranius. It means the heavens, the sky. So, can we say that Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit as he wrote this letter to the Thessalonians? Huh? Is that a yes? So, if Paul was inspired, and if the churches are correct, well, we're going to meet Jesus in the sky, why wouldn't Paul use, utilize the Greek word Oranius? I thought I'd throw that out there for you rapture nuts out there. Now, you might ask yourselves, I wonder why Yahweh did not allow them at that point, now that they have gone undivided attention of the whole world, to give one final sermon. Well, you must understand that by now, Yahweh has judicially sealed them in their unbelief. Remember I read that there in the second Thessalonians chapter two. The time of grace is past. The hardness of heart has now sealed them by Yahweh himself. Judgment has come, folks. I might also add that it is a convicting work of the Spirit of Yahweh, not signs and wonders that make the gospel believable. Yeshua Messiah said there in Luke chapter sixteen, verse thirty one. If they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuade it if someone rises from the dead. Let me read that to you once again. Yeshua Messiah states in Luke chapter 16, verse 31. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, we've got to stop now. Keep in mind, these people hate Yeshua Messiah. You're going to have the rabbis the Pharisees, the Sadducees, whatever, whatever you want to call them, the Kabbalists, hooking in with this, we're going to get to Revelation chapter 13, we see the two beast systems working together, alright? All this goes together, folks. 
If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone raises them from the dead. Now, now we come to verse 13. Listen to what he says. In the same hour, was there a great earthquake? Literally, one hour. And the tenth part of the city fell, Jerusalem. And in the earthquake were slain of men, 7,000 spiritual completeness. And the remnant were frightened and gave glory to Yahweh of heaven. Great earthquake. Answering to the great earthquake under the sixth seal. Just as the approach of the Lord. As we read there in Revelation chapter 6 verse 12. Remember our charts? An earthquake is, symbol, is a symbol of commotion, protest, change of great political revolutions. The meaning here is that the triumph of the witnesses represented by their ascending to heaven would be followed by such revulsions as would be properly symbolized by the earthquake. It says here, a tenth party, tenth part of the city fell, that is, the great city. As we read there in Revelation chapter 16, verse 9, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 10. Ten. Ten is the number of the world kingdoms. There in Revelation chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. And the beast horns, there in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And the dragons, there in Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. Thus, in the church historical view, it is hereby implied that one of the ten apostate world kingdoms will fall. But in the narrow view of a tenth of Jerusalem under the Antichrist falls. The nine-tenths remain and become, when purified, the center of the Messiah's earthly kingdom. That is, the tenth part of that which is represented by the city, the persecuting power. A city would be the seat and the center of the power, and the acts of the persecution would seem to proceed from it. But the destruction, we may suppose, would extend to all that was represented by the persecuting power. The word tenth is probably used in a general sense to denote that a considerable portion of the persecuting power would be thus involved in ruin. That is, that in res respect to all the power would be such a revulsion and a convulsion or a commotion, such a loss that it would be proper represent by the earthquake. He says here, tenth of men. In the Greek, on oma names of men. These men are accurately enumerated as if their names were given. 7,000. Rather, 7,000 combined the two mystical, perfect and comprehensive numbers 7 and 1,000. Implying the full and complete destruction of the impenitent. The remnant. So complete was the overthrow from the earthquake that the rest were filled with fear and they glorified Yahweh. The whole implies that when the witnesses were lifted up, a commotion shook a false religion 
our apostate church, that it was destroyed by the commotion, gave glory to the Yahweh of heaven, which while apostates and worshiping the beast image, they had not done the Yahweh of heaven. The apostates of the last day, in a pretended scientific enlightenment, recognized no heavenly power, but only the natural forces in the earth which would come under their observation. His receiving up into heaven the two witnesses who had power during their time on earth to shut heaven from rain constrained his and their enemies who witnessed it to acknowledge that Yahweh of heaven to be Yahweh of the earth, as we read there in verse 4. As in verse 4, he declared himself to be the Yahweh of the earth by his two witnesses. So now he proves himself to be the Yahweh of heaven also. This giving glory to Yahweh is not equivalent to praising or blessing Yahweh. It is ex extorted not by repentance, but by terror. The idiom is well known. In Luke chapter 4, verse 15, where those referred to the words glorified of all, soon attempted to take the life of the Lord, Yeshua Messiah, there in verse 29. Check out Joshua chapter 7, verse 19 in the Septuagint. Psalms 106, Mark 6, Luke chapter 5, Romans chapter 4. Heck, you can go to Acts chapter 12 and 24. The context here clearly shows the sense in which this is to be taken. Yahweh is said to be glorified when his power is acknowledged in as an emergency, just as the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of Eliahim. There in chapter 8, verse 9, 19 of Exodus. And just as the ungodly admit the same thing every day, even the demons acknowledge the Lord Yeshua Messiah and confess his deity. Here, it is only the Yahweh of heaven who acknowledge, not a covenant Yahweh known in love, only a Yahweh at a distance, unknown and feared. We have already spoken of the title Eliahim of heaven, its significance as occurring only here, and in chapter 16, Ezra chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2. 7,000 people could be translated persons, literally in the Greek. This is a very, very unusual expression in the original language. And many scholars believe that it refers to 7,000 prominent men or leaders who served with the Antichrist here in his headquarters in Jerusalem. And then we read, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to Yahweh of heaven. This would be in reference primarily to the Jews. Certainly to some Gentiles that will be saved at that moment around the world. But especially the Jews that are still inhabiting the eastern part of Jerusalem in the region of the temple. And they will be saved at that moment. I was thinking about that here we discover the fulfillment of Yahweh's promise. You remember in Romans chapter 11 verse 1 the Apostle Paul said, Yahweh has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. Later on in verse 4, he quotes 1 Kings chapter 19 as Yahweh responded to Eliah. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed down the knee to Baal. In the same way, Paul goes on to say, in the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant 
according to Yahweh's gracious choice, referring to Israel. And later in verse 26, Paul writes, A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come, and thus all Israel will be saved. And here, in this book of Revelation, we are seeing that the fullness of the Gentiles is about to come in, and Israel will be saved. This would have been so incredibly encouraging to the converted rabbi, the Apostle Paul. Well, finally, this interlude is over. This interlude between the sixth trumpet and the final four, or the final bold judgments that will immediately precede Yeshua Messiah's return. It's now over. In verse 14, we read, The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So in summary, dear friends, the desecration of the temple, the murder and the resurrection of the two witnesses in Jerusalem, followed by terror of the Gentiles, the devastating earthquake, all of this points to the coming of Yeshua Messiah to end the Gentile domination, to save his covenant people and pour out the final stage of his vengeance upon the nations of the world and ultimately establish his glorious kingdom. This ends the sixth trumpet or the second woe. Keep in mind, that we are still in that sixth seal, beginning to hear the seventh trumpet sound, which brings in the seven vials of Yahweh's wrath. Oh, folks. How awesome this is. Let me read. I'm just going to give you a taste of next week. He says, The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe cometh quickly. The second woe consists of two parts, the horsemen and the two witnesses. The first woe we found there in Revelation cha chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. Not in John's time, only in a visionary way. The meaning is that the second woe trumpet, which is the sixth, will now have done sounding. When the four angels bound in the river Euphrates shall have been loosed, and they with their horsemen shall have done what they were designed to do. When the two witnesses shall have been slain and are again raised and ascended to heaven, and the things attending are following their one, as the earthquake and the slaughter and the conversions of men are accomplished. The third woe, which is the result of the sounding of the seventh trumpet, occupies Four chapters, and after the sounding of the seventh trumpet, three chapters interpose, taking us back probably to the time prior to chapter four, conducting us by a different route to the same point, describing to us how the wild beast is to be revealed, telling us that the causes and the consequences of his revelation. Then the seventh trumpet is taken up again there in chapter 15. The second woe ends with an earthquake following the ascension of the two witnesses. Theirs is a marvelous history. It comes upon us suddenly, as does the history of Eliah there in 1 Kings chapter 17. And the description of their course is soon told. In spite of all unbelief, misapplied learning, fanciful interpretation, 
they will one day appear on the earth, fulfill their mission. Then this scripture will be understood in all its simplicity and clearness. And behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Other words, immediately upon the passing of the others, namely the sounding of the seventh trump. We're going to pick this up in our next study. As I close out this morning, I want to think about the Holy Spirit. Three wrong responses to the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Acts chapter 7, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. Do not quench the Spirit. You see, folks, it is the will of Yahweh that you and I walk in daily independence upon the Holy Spirit. It is Yahweh's desire that we seek Him for the fullness of the Spirit's work in and through our lives. Three wrong responses that undermine the will of Yahweh are resisting, grieving, and quenching the Spirit of the Lord. When Stephen was on trial before the religious leaders of Israel, he preached a powerful sermon declaring the faithfulness of Yahweh towards his consistently unfaithful nation. He concluded his message, always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. Or I'm sorry, he concluded his message with a pointed, radical, accurate evaluation. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Acts 7.51 here we are given the kind of attitudes that will oppose the work of the Spirit. You see, these people were stiff-necked. They were stubborn and self-willed. They wanted their will, not the will of Yahweh. They also were uncircumcised in heart and ears. You see, folks, they did not allow Yahweh to cut away the, the carnality of their inner being. They would not allow Yahweh to speak to them through his messengers. You see, these folks were self-righteous, self-sufficient. When we conduct ourselves in the same manner, we also are resisting the Holy Spirit. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he commanded them, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In the next verse, Paul indicated that the dispositions that brought grief to the spirit of Yahweh. He says in verse chapter 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Yes, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a mere power or influence. He can be saddened by our behavior when we, Yahweh's people, harbor bitterness in our hearts and malicious words in our mouths, then we are grieving the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. When Paul wrote to the saints at Thessalonica, 
He instructed them, do not, I repeat, do not quench the spirit. Just as a fire can be quenched, the promptings of the Holy Spirit can be stifled. As we read the word of Yahweh, the spirit can be a stirring, a spiritual fire conviction within us. We will respond to that heavenly influence or we will suppress it. When the Lord is igniting a vision of service unto him, we will yield or will we extinguish it? When the Lord is calling us to an intercessory prayer, will we cry out to him or will we suppress that desire he is kindling? Will we allow the, the spirit to blaze within our hearts or will we quench the spirit? Dear Heavenly Father, I am personally convicted by the Spirit at times that I have behaved in these same ways. Father, I confess to you that I've resisted, grieved, and quenched the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Father, I ask you in the name of Yeshua Messiah, I repent. I ask you to show me any area of my life that has not yielded to the full work of your spirit. Father, if there's any way that I resisted the Holy Spirit, that I grieved the Holy Spirit of you, or for some reason due to ignorance, I quenched the spirit. Please forgive me, Father. Lord, I do want to do your will. I do want to walk in the fullness of the Spirit's work. That I may be able to go out and share this gospel of Yeshua Messiah with those that have ears to hear and eyes to eyes. Lord, I realize the need, the importance of saving souls. And I pray, Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that not only I, but also those listening this morning, Lord, we can go out and we can quench, we can resist the demonic spirits that are attacking those individuals. And we can proclaim the gospel of Yeshua Messiah that we also, Lord, can bring these souls into the enlightenment and show them the truth, your truth. You are the truth, Father. And expose these corruptness. Show them from what they're worth, Father. Lord, together, with your help, souls can be saved. I thank you, Father. If there's somebody out there this morning that does not know Yeshua Messiah as their personal Savior, I ask you, Lord, to touch their hearts, lead them, guide them, direct them to one of us that we may help them, Father. Lord, we give all glory and thanks to you, for you are the great I Am. You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the Et of the truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all things. In your precious name, Yeshua Messiah. Amen. Amen.
I thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to either call me or text me. My cell phone number is 302-299-2701. That's 302-299-2701. Thank you.